and welcome back to the Brothers Book Club Podcast. We are here today with another book review episode. Joining me on the other end is podcast... The other end? Another end. Somewhere. A mysterious other end. And a place to be determined later is podcast co-host Amanda. Welcome back, Amanda. Thank you. How are we doing this week? How's it going? Doing well. Everything's going great for me. How about you? uh, Things are great. And if you want them to be even better, I think this podcast is going to be dropped in 2021. I think. For us, for us folks of the past, us we're like really bad time travelers. We go back a couple months in time. We're recording this in October of 2020. We've gotten ahead on the book reviews, and there's really nothing stopping us from recording ahead. So anyway, but I think this episode will officially be released in 2021. If not, it might be the, like the last one of this year. So say hello to the future if you want to. Any messages you want to convey? Oh, I hope that 2021 is better. <laughs> Good grief, it would be hard to be worse, but then again, <laughs> the threat of imminent climate change, who knows? <laughs> I was kind of hoping those things wouldn't happen for another 30 years, but whatever. At this point, yep. I guess bring on the drought and super tornadoes or whatever. Um, yeah, But no, 2021, yeah, here's to hoping. For today, we've got an even more bleak picture, because we're here reading Virgil, and we have a collection called O Cruel Alexis, which, to be clear, was or is, two sections of his really famous poetry, one from the, I'm going to call them the Eclogues until you stop me. And then another- I think it's called Eclogues. Eclogues. And then the other is from the Georgics, which are, again, just two collections of this legendary Roman poet. Before we begin with the review proper, let's dig into our simple elementary-style questions to set up the listeners with basic information about who we read and what we read. Do you want to start us with the who this week, Amanda? Who is Virgil? Sure. Um, his full name is Publius Virgilius Mero, I suppose. Of course. Uh, <laughs> of course. Maro, Maro. Um, an ancient Roman poet um, during the reign of Augustus. Um, and there's not really much known about him, just because it's hard to, to keep track of some of these, um, especially mm-hmm. well-known writers, just because like, other writers will write things that, are supposed to be fact about them but you can't really verify and all this stuff so it's like more of a mythos around him than any real truths that we could find historically sure. i suppose sure um but he is uh someone who wrote um specifically three uh sets of poems that are really well known and so we read two of those sets the other one being the um Enid. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's supposed to be one of Rome's greatest poets. And I think, so, I think the pronunciation is Aeneid, but I, I don't know. I can't even mm. confirm that. But I only say that to say the Aeneid is often paired with the Odyssey as kind of the, the two epic masterworks of cl- the classical time in just right. the world or in the Western world. So... In terms of the why and the what, um, let's start with the what, I guess. We read two excerpts, one, like we said, from the Eclogues and one from the Georgics. I, I don't know what to say. I didn't think the Eclogues were about anything, but I, it made me feel better that when I researched it on Wikipedia, that's our research department, shouts as always, go donate to Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, but when I researched it there, it even seems like scholars can't agree on what the organization is supposed to be and what the connective threads are supposed to be. At times it's conversations between two people. At times it's random soliloquies about mythology. 
and other stuff. So anyway, we read those. And then we yeah. also read from book four of the Georgics, of which there are, I think, five or six books, maybe four books. And it was mostly about bees and metaphors about bees and then some myths. <laughs> Apparently, most of the Georgics are based on crops, like you said, raising crops and trees and livestock. None of this sounds very epic in nature, though he writes it in a way that is, which I guess kind of gets to the why. I don't know. His work is deeply influential in the Western canon, I guess. I mean, we could name off the influences that he had, right? He, you know, Dante's Inferno, and right. then you know, Virgil's liter- literally a character in that story, the the guide character. Mm-hmm. And there are other authors who you could easily trace back to references to Virgil. I mean, classical, not even classical, education up to a certain point in Western English-speaking or English, you know, lineage history was basically read latin and translate it please for 20 years and that's your education and so people like virgil their stuff is legendary because that's how people learned for a very long time that's how the church kind of gets wrapped up in that too so yeah he's his work is incredibly influential is it deserving i will happily dig into that idea today (laughs) or is it even particularly interesting to a modern reader i don't know we'll hopefully discuss that but yeah it's kind of hard to deny how influential the Aeneid and some of his other stuff is. Right. Had you ever encountered him before this? No. Fair nope. enough. <laughs> Your strong English bias continues. English is in the, the country. British bias. Yeah. I had encountered the Aeneid before, but like the Odyssey and the Iliad, I had only read in excerpts and parts that people cherry-picked out for certain classes, and it was in an academic setting. It was not personal interest setting, so it wasn't right. for fun. But yes, I had read excerpts from the Aeneid because, again, it's paired with those two other works as kind of like, here are really epic classical poems that you should probably know. So anyway, mm-hmm. this was definitely not that. Let's get into the one-sentence simile reviews, then we'll kick it off as we always do. I'll take this one first since you went first on the other, Amanda. Yeah. I thought reading this was like, imagine you get really hyped up for an expensive purchase. I wrote down piece of tech, mostly because like new game consoles are coming out. Maybe that was on my mind, but it could be anything expensive. It could be a bed. I don't know. It could be an Ikea furniture, though that wouldn't work for this analogy. It could be some expensive equipment and appliance. But when you get it, it's in a foreign language only, the instructions and the, mm-hmm. and the operating manual and perhaps the instructions to build it are in a foreign language. So it really just kills your excitement in a really aggressive, very blunt force way. It's a complete like stopping point, complete stoppage. And this felt like that to me. It felt like something that had been built up in my mind so much. Granted, I had like decently fond memories of the Aeneid too. So I, I guess, I don't know what I expected, some kind of level of quality or interest. And it this just missed me completely. It was like running into something that I couldn't even begin to comprehend. And so yeah. I that, that's how this felt to me. <laughs> how about for you? I think that's pretty apt. Um, <laughs> yeah, there were parts here where I was just like, what? even yeah <laughs> yeah on. it's brutal <laughs> um yeah so mine was um i focused mostly on um the eclogues uh because mm-hmm. when yeah. i got to the georgics one i started to read it and i got like man maybe like 30 lines into it and i was like i can't even do this so <laughs> and i had the opposite reaction but mine were also reversed so i read my book put eclogues first and then the georgics but anyway sorry keep oh, going I see, yeah uh so uh what i focused on then was the the eclogues and so i said that uh reading this is like experiencing a rap battle but instead of it like 
being these two people who are dissing each other and then um, talking themselves up. It's more of like a really uh, Christian way of doing it almost like where you're like, praise, praise the gods, praise the Lord. And I'm amazing, but also, Hey, you're really good. And like really complimentary in the rap. Of course. Yeah, it's true. And it's like, look out for that guy's going to lose his farm. We got to, he's got to help, help him save his farm. Yeah. <laughs> also, isn't there in the middle of those? Isn't there an actual rap battle? There's yeah, like a there, wit, there's a like wit two battle. Or three of the eclogs that have um, like actual song battles. Who were those people? Uh, they're just shepherds. Okay. Yeah. Just some narrators or something. I. <laughs> yeah. It was clear there was some connective thread, but again, I I felt such deep comfort in my soul when I went to Wikipedia, and it's very clear from the Wikipedia page on Necklogs that there's no consensus on what is happening in the in yeah. any way. Because <laughs> yeah. I just thought, like, am I really missing something? Like, did he? Anyway, it's extremely non uh, non modern uh, in its mm. construction. Let's say. Let's yeah. make some connections, too. We like to begin the reviews also with making connections and trying to make it relevant to 2020 or 2021, if this is releasing then, if the world <laughs> is still exists in its current format by then. I, I put a simple one. Bees, man. Like, we're in an environmental bit of a bit of a tiff here in, in the world on, on planet Earth, and we need our bees to stick around. I know there's been, like, some kind of large scale i was gonna say destruction of bees that's not quite right but there's there's like mass extinction of bees happening for whatever reasons and part of the georgics if not most of this book four is just an extended discussion of bee life and the it's sort of biological but also sort of metaphorical and he talks a lot about bees and their society and how they organize so i thought that was i don't know it wasn't 100 percent relevant but it was scientific enough to make me think I believe he was trying to be accurate to his time period. So that kind of had a weird, I don't know, it was weirdly relevant. And I tried to just duck all the other bigger themes on this one Mm -hmm. just because I don't know if there were, there probably were deeper themes I should have put, but I don't know. I wanted to pick a frivolous thing for this. (laughs) How about for you, Amanda, any strong connections, anything deeply meaningful? Uh, the biggest thing for me was just like the the depictions of nature and I, the idealization of nature. So yeah. I would say an appreciation for nature, especially like when when COVID first came out and people were like forced to go outside more to get yeah. out of their homes. Yeah. So maybe people can actually relate to that particular theme a little bit better now versus before. Yeah, it's become precious time. I still have done that. It changed a significant part of my daily schedule with like mm-hmm. gyms and stuff. So hey, yeah, so no, I'm I'm 100% on board, reconnected with going for walks and such, you know. Yeah. It's yeah, it's been nice. So yeah, I agree and nothing Virgil nothing Virgil likes more than listing off nature in the names of plants for 20 lines. <laughs> It's true. He loves true. that shit. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> He'll happily do it. Any, do, you, do you want to hear 10 plant names in Rome that you've never... Do you live in Rome, near Rome? Have you heard of these 10 plants before? Oh, gosh. Yeah. The answer is no to both for me. Let's move into the deeper part of the pod where we like to get specific and analyze the style and the writing and the trappings. This is our quotes part. Amanda, why don't you begin us with one of your quotes from uh, from the Virgil this week? What do you have? Sure. Um, I will do one that I found um, interesting. So I'm going to start with a positive, And this is from Eclogue 1. 
Mm-hmm. And it says, these fallows trimmed so fair, some brutal soldier will possess these fields, an alien master. Ah, to what a pass has civil discord brought our hapless folk. Um, so I chose this one because it was interesting to me that it wasn't just a traditional pastoral poem where it's, it's just about like nature, but also there are some, a couple of times where Virgil mentions the uh, civil discord that's going on at the time, which I found really interesting. I just wish that he had kind of delved into that a little bit more because I thought the political strife at that time was way more interesting than the other stuff that he was doing in this poem. (laughs) And my, I I had to go find this quote because my translation is a little different than yours. Not enough to break any meaning or I don't think it's really profoundly different, but I just wanted to check because you and I often read different versions and different translations of these older, especially the super old stuff. So yeah, yeah, mine's a little different from yours, but same meaning. I, this raises an important question because did you, after this book one, expect these two people to just have an ongoing chat about the state of affairs? Kind of like a I current events poem? I 100% did, yeah. And it, it was not that to me. I don't know. Again, I couldn't help but do... It was like I was turning and uh, turning my head to check behind my shoulders like to see if I was deeply misunderstanding, you know? Checking the <laughs> rear view to be like, did I just... I just read that stanza. Did that even mean anything that I kind of thought it did i don't think so <laughs> yeah it, i was really hoping that the the rest of the poems would be like that because i was like oh man yeah this is going to be interesting where we actually get some of the because i'm not really that familiar with you know the happenings of that time not overly so and so i was looking forward to that and there is like another one of the eclogues where he specifically is talking about the birth of one of the future caesars i believe um it was almost like messianic Mm-hmm. Where it's like a return to the golden age and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, so that's maybe a, another political one. But how does that fit into the rest of the collection? I don't know. And that was a big problem for me reading these two is just like, how do these, how do these even fit together? How is this an anthology? Cause like when you have anthologies or if you have collections, you have some sort of something to connect all of them, whether it's a particular theme or if it's a character or if it's right. a narrator, something to connect all of this. And and it's all over the place because that the one that I was talking about, the one eclogue where it's talking about a little uh, a baby that was born that's going to bring them back to the to the golden age. It's not even like a pastoral poem. It's not even set in the countryside. It's like where even is that? <laughs> yeah, and you would assume. Yeah, if I if someone told me this was a collection of poems about the country then a quote like I'm about to say on page 17 would make me so upset that they told me that and pitched it to me in that regard. Uh, I have an unusual quote from page 17. I am just going to read all of the proper nouns on page 17. I'm not reading them in the lines and I'm not reading the lines completely. It would take a while. These are the proper nouns on 17. Dystian nymphs, Gortian, Hesperidian, Phaethontiids, Gallus, Permisius, Aonia, Phoebus, or Phoebus, Linus, the Muses, Ascrian, Grininian, Grinian, Scylla, Apollo, Nicias, Delician, Terius, Terius, Philomel. That's that's what you're going to be reading. I mean, I don't like. <laughs> 
you can't i would used to tell students here's a middle school tip for you for you for all you teachers out there a little, little teaching hack you tell students that if you pick up a book and you read a page of it count on your hand how many words you didn't know and it's like if it's over five that's too many you should read something a little easier if it's zero it's too um or sorry if it's over five it's too hard you should read something easier if it's if it's zero it's too easy you want to be raising like two or three fingers you want a little exposure to new words but nothing that's gonna kill you and this will kill you like if you don't have if you don't have an annotated copy, this is meaningless garb- garbledy gook to read. Yep. It just sounds like somebody mumbling random uh, sounds together, putting random synonyms and or not synonyms. Uh, what am I looking for? What's the you know what's the word for a sound? Uh, homophones. Yeah, or just kind of syllables. I was, syllables is the word oh, I was looking yeah. for. Just putting random syllables together. Just throwing them, just slapping them on, seeing what happens. If some of those words were possessive. Some were not possessive, so who knows if they're people or a people or a group or a culture. I, you know, it just becomes exhausting. And you think you're getting into, again, could I accept two shepherds kind of just chatting back and forth, talking about current events and it, that obviously would come along with a bunch of references I wouldn't know. Yeah, sure. But it this beginning of these eclogues takes so long to set up. And by the time mm-hmm. I think they set something up, they had already lost me. It's kind of like you need to be more efficient in the beginning to just get me into the premise of this. And then, then maybe I'll yeah. hang on for the ride. And it just didn't do either. And it became exhausting to read. Really tiresome. <laughs> Not yep. sure if your reaction was the same, but I just felt like that uh, page had to had to be exposed. Yeah, that's uh, actually my other quote that I had pulled was specifically to address that as well. And that was uh, for me. It was an Eclog Five. Yeah, I won't yeah. read the 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 quote just because it's. I mean, what's the point? But it's like. <laughs> just a list of of names places and things that i have no idea i don't have a context for and it's just almost mind-numbing because by the time you get past those names you're like you've lost the thread of what even that it was about <laughs> and i know here's here's a quick little connection i can try and make to this maybe I'll, again we're trying generous trying to be generous in these reviews to a let's say an average reader a 10 book a year whatever imaginary person that person probably remembers Shakespeare from high school and remembers not loving it, maybe having a good reaction to it, maybe not. Shakespeare, for whatever reason, many, many reasons, be- has become the de facto reference in English for that is hard to read to me. That's kind of just people will be like, well, it's Shakespearean, you know, even if they don't have the actual historical context for the time period and what plays were like back then and all that stuff. They might not even know other people of the time period to compare him to, but that he's just kind of the baseline reference of, well, is it really dense and super complicated? And does it sound old? And does it use a million nouns or words I don't probably don't know? I think this is has a little bit of that, to be honest, going on. It did right. remind me of that. But here's the thing I would say about Shakespeare, too. A person who's writing, I really actually like and think is quite readable, comparatively anyway, you got to get an annotated copy. It's just yep. no point to this. Like, yep. why would a person read this with no assistance? Even mm-hmm. a scholar would never do this. Uh, you know, right. and I'm sure and I'm sure if you were a professor of classic, you know, of the classics or of Latin or something, you've encountered it raw and have like taken that on or whatever, but probably not that often. Even you're probably comparing to your colleagues and you know, doing assisted like 
again, utterly meaningless to encounter this in, at cold. I don't see yep. a, literally any reason to do so. And I would, I don't know if I'd go as far with Shakespeare, but I probably would because I don't know. People have been pouring over this stuff for hundreds of years. Why not get a quick explainer of a name you've never seen? Right, right. And I, I, even my version, because sometimes I'm able to, um, since I look mine up and do, you know, Project Gutenberg and stuff yeah, like that online yeah. to get free copies of these, the, the copy that I found did not have any annotations, so... And mine never have, yeah, in the Penguin yeah, ones. Like, yeah. Ooh, not, not a fan, no. Yeah, yeah, so challenging, honestly, yeah. absurdly so. And I just, you can't help but feel beaten down. It gives you some right. uh, empathy for the students in school who are always, you know, behind in their reading levels. And it's, I'm sure to many of those people, whether they have, you know, a diagnosed disability or if it was just, they just struggled with reading and disliked it. But yeah, at some point you're staring at something that just seems like it's written for some other brain. <laughs> you're like, I don't... Is this for me? Is this was right. I supposed to understand this? Yeah, <laughs> Am I supposed just, to get it, what's going on here? It, there's no way to appreciate the the finer meanings too, right? Like he mentioned yeah, some yeah. of the discord, and perhaps there was more mention of it throughout the text that I just could not pick up on because I had no idea for the references that he was making the allusions and stuff unless I took the time to like yeah. sit down and look up every single name and every single. Uh, proper noun that was mentioned but for sure. without those annotations i feel like perhaps like thematically it would have tied together if i had a better knowledge of the history or of you know whatever but no i <laughs> just yeah yeah and that's where a good annotated copy of again i'll just bring up shakespeare he's kind of the baseline for this type of thinking type of reading but where a good annotation of shakespeare will it'll tell you that was a dick joke which shakespeare was wont to do he loved making like you know scatological jokes and sex jokes and and puns and so but they can fill that in for that's exactly the purpose of something like that is to so you can nod and go oh that is pretty yeah okay i never thought about it you know like or he's pairing imagery with this word that you know we don't use that word that way anymore so there's no way your brain's going to register that as a sex pun, like because we don't right. even literally use that word anymore or in that way. So, yeah, just this needs help so bad. <laughs> it doesn't. It, there's no help. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It reminds me a lot of when we read um, Gogol, and yeah, some of the Russian stuff. Yeah, if and his entire thing was satire. So if you like yeah. have no knowledge of what even is going on at that time you're not going to appreciate the satire you're just like okay so this is obviously supposed to be a ridiculous story but what is the point of this ridiculous story it's the same way i felt about this is like okay well oh there's some pretty scenery and stuff but like is that supposed to be a juxtaposition to something is it supposed to be a juxtaposition to rome but it's not because he also compares rome to like a god he's like you know i would give up everything for rome and Mm -hmm. and then so it's like even more confusing to me <laughs> as a read. I felt so I did lean on the Georgics part because I felt like first I went to Wikipedia before starting it, which I should have done with the other one too, though that didn't help much in the end. But I should yeah. have. This is the this is a reading where you want to read the summary first, just to even have a fighting chance before you start actually reading the thing. Mm-hmm. And the Georgics that helped a lot because it was like, oh, this is going to be about bees, and he compares bees to humans a lot. Okay, like it's an extended metaphor about wh- not only that it's bio- biology too, but he's comparing bees to humans. 
So this quote, which I'll read, because I did want to at least give one quote for the style. And this one, I thought some of these moments were pretty sharp and kind of humorous and insightful. I couldn't tell if it was played to be like really serious or I thought it was kind of goofy, but I'll read this quote for an example. This is when the bees are getting ready to fight other bees. It says, For a martial revelry of raucous brass rattles the laggards, and a buzz is heard like the broken blast of bugles. Then all hopped up they muster themselves, flash wings, wet stingers with jaws and cinch up muscles, and round the king right up to his battle post thronged they swarm, and with great ruckus call out the foe. Now, some of the word choice in there, like great ruckus, and sort of like cinch up muscles or broken blast of bugles, I read as more, it's so hyperbolic and the warfare depicted is so foreign to me that I just read it as kind of like a goofy scene, like a scene for kids to, they're picturing these bees, these like anthropomorphized bees just kind of like trodden along and like getting all hyped up for their goofy medieval battle or what have you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I don't know, I to me it, it was more humorous. I don't know if it was fully intended to be so. Because I think in the time period, the depictions of war probably would have been a little more straightforward for how they fought wars. So anyway, but I still thought the language was fun enough there, light enough, enough description to keep me moving, didn't feel like it overstayed anywhere. And uh, as you'll have noted crucially by now, no proper nouns in that whole reference (laughs) or in that whole section. (laughs) Later, when suddenly the book of Georgics um, takes a diversion into telling the myth of Orpheus for a reason I can't remember. It just all of a sudden is like, I'm going to tell you the Orpheus myth now in the middle of this bee extended metaphor. uh, That part is going to bog you down again. So I don't, it's all over the place. I don't know how this was organized or why it was organized this way, but uh, it has moments. It has a little shining moments. I'm not sure if you pulled the quote like that too. Uh, no, my guess, other quote was yeah. was just the proper noun. Yeah, and I, and I think the first one you gave, like you said, it had clear setups and it had these thematic bits where you had this little thread dangling and you're wondering, are they going to thread that through something? Are you going to put that in a needle? And right. the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, the answer to me was no. Yeah, 100% it was no for me as well. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Let's let's educate the listeners then, Amanda, since we can't inspire them or cheer them up or give them a reading <laughs> recommendation. We'll try and educate you. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Let's head to the literary corner and see if we can educate you, the listener, in some kind of literary technique or term. We chose two different ones, so I guess we'll all go do mine. You can do yours after. I'm not sure. There'll be some crossover. Oh, yeah. Let's do yours. I felt like I it yours was... yours is perfect, actually. Well, I, I <laughs> felt like I had to at least check the literary dictionary for it because as we discussed on last week's episode or maybe off mic... I had never even seen this word before, so I tried mm-hmm. to pronounce it about a hundred times, but it's eclogue, which is spelled E-C-L-O-G-U-E. So it's it sounds like I'm reading it like there's a pause, like echo-log, but it's just ecloge or eclogue. Anyway, mm-hmm. it is a short poem or part of a longer one, and often a pastoral in the form of a dialogue or a soliloquy, which, yep, that checks out. The term was first applied to Virgil's pastorals or, or bucolic poems, or, you know, poems about nature. And thereafter, it has kind of described the traditional pastoral idyll that Theocritus and other Sicilian poets wrote in. And then there's a history from there and all the legendary authors you already know the names of. We've covered your Dantes and stuff. And the guy who wrote Canterbury Tales, Chaucer. Um, they've all written and dabbled in poetry like this. Did you find this style of poetry interesting? Do you like pastorals? I never have. I'm not particularly fond of pastoral poems. I 
I will say that uh, when I first started reading poetry, it was in the uh, the British Romantic era. So those are yeah. all pastoral poems right. as well. So that's how I, I enjoyed. Not so much. I, I enjoyed like some of the depictions of nature in that, but really what I enjoyed was um, the the wordplay, and that's what got me into reading more poetry, which is when I started like delving into other other stuff. Um, I'm yeah. surprised. I I don't think of Chaucer. Not I don't think of Canterbury Tales specifically. I don't no, know if I think he just dabbled in it. I guess. Oh, I, okay. I think he's in their lit. The, the the Penguin Literary Dictionary when they have these either mo- moments or exemplars of style or genre, they mm. always give just like here's ten examples, and they're just like you'll find it in this and this, and I think they just named him. I don't know what they named. Oh yeah, because the only thing I know by Chaucer is the um, Canterbury Tales. So <laughs> yeah. I could look it up quick. We can put a pause here. Now I'm going to do it now. Now I want to know. (laughs) The listeners deserve to be educated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, here's who they name. They name Dante and Petrarch and Boccaccio. We've also read Boccaccio on this, an Italian guy. Then they mention Spencer and Pope. They mention Gay. Uh, they mentioned Swift. No, they don't. I I had just condensed all those very famous people into like just put him in but also they mentioned modern ones like frost uh mcneese who i don't know but auden who i know so they mentioned frost and auden and the smothers in there but no they do not name so i just lumped him in i think in that group of dante petrarch and boccaccio i just lumped in him too but no so those are the other people who are influenced by this type of poetry. I'd never seen you. this term. This strikes me as the kind of thing when I'm teaching students about liter- literature, how to analyze it, be you know, go deeper, go further. This is the perfect example of something where I, if somebody considered being good at literature, quote unquote, whatever that simplification means, meant knowing this term, I would just be like, that's just completely wrong. There's a million terms like this. I have no clue what this is. Why would I know this? This is so weirdly specific. Why would I ever, the only person who's going to know that term offhand is studies it for their life's work, probably, or something, you know, akin to that. I just don't think that makes literature interesting or good or a person insightful if they knew that term anyway. Mm -hmm. So this is the class type of literary term that you know we can give it as a little bit of cocktail party fodder for the listeners maybe but yeah i like it yeah i'd never seen and i do you did you agree last week i can't remember now had you never seen that term before i've never seen this yeah i had never seen it either yeah and you and i haven't done a ton with the classics uh in the capital c sense so that makes sense yeah Okay, well, one for you guys out there listening, too. So enjoy that and take it to your nearest cocktail party probably in the year 2022. So those are coming back strong, but not for a while. (laughs) Let's wrap up the review with our normal two parts, Amanda. We're going to do the So What's Good About It segment first, the Russell French and Memoriam segment. Why don't you start us off? What did you genuinely like about this one? And I will say it is for this work that we made this segment. So go (laughs) ahead. Um, I would say that I did enjoy some, I will definitely not say all, but some of the depictions of nature. Um, It is pastoral poetry, so you will see a whole lot of references to nature. But I think that some of them are actually really kind of sweet and nice. Um, So, but also some of them are really wordy, but some of them are pretty good. Yeah, that's, I think it's the faint praise that's deserved here. I will say (laughs) I did pull... Yeah, the back, the backhanded compliment that is so earned. No, I did pull 
a quote about this already, but I thought the Georgics book four was legitimately okay in a lot of spots, if not pretty enjoyable. I think Mm -hmm. that he really committed to the B metaphor and kind of dove into their social structure in ways that it's just odd though, because some lines you'll read and you'll think he's just being a biologist now. Like that sounds like literally what they do. Like at some point he says, if you're going to steal their honey, smoke them out first, which is a, as far as I know, is like a legitimate tactic to daze them. Isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So so there's a line like that, but then there's a line about how they have a King and they go into battle with their bugles. And I'm like, okay, well that's (laughs) (laughs) now you're just having fun. So I don't know. I think if if the Eklogs had been not even included in this and just the Georgics, this might even be a maybe for me, but man, I was so thrown by that first part that by the time I got to the Georgics, I just, my brain had been scrambled, but I really think there's some stuff in there that he commits to. And I thought was pretty interesting. So that's yeah. my, that's my praise. Let's rate this bad boy. Then we like to rate on a three tiered system, a yes, no, maybe with the yes and no's being obvious and the maybe being a qualified recommendation. Amanda, I'll have you go first again. What are you recommending to the listeners on this one? I'm recommending a big fat. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, it's just that it's just like the uh, Greek poets that we had read uh, a few episodes prior. I mean, we read like what three? We Greek read poets? well. We read Catullus or Catullus, who was Roman, Catalyst, I think. Which we didn't think was as bad, just because it was. Like, it was scattered, though. It was yeah. the one that had a lot of unfinished parts in it, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, no. 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 That was the uh, the the Sappho. Oh, Sappho. That was Greek. Catullus, I think, was Roman, and then we read. The from Homer we read from the Odyssey, right? So uh, a lot of the same issues I think with all of them is just like the illusions are just uh, a little bit too heavy, especially if you're not familiar um, with the time period and with the the mythos around that and the history of that, and um, the lack of a cohesive theme or character or idea aside from just like having a pastoral-esque structure mm-hmm. just really boggled my mind the the lack of organization is is what really really bothered me um, just because I yeah. could not fit into my it was like like you said like it's just puzzle pieces where you just cannot fit it together because you're like there's got to be something missing and it's probably my knowledge of that era <laughs> that's missing <laughs> yeah and really affected yeah. it um but yeah, so uh, as far as it also just being pastoral poetry, I I prefer if I have to read pastoral poetry, I would prefer to read the Romantic era British uh, Romantic poets like Wordsworth and such, um, just because I'm more familiar with that uh, culture and therefore I would understand the references better and I could have a deeper appreciation for the work in that way. Yeah, and I think if you're going in for... If you're going in for a reading where you think, I want this to be deeply dense and require literary analysis at a high level, I just don't think this is worth your time like the Mm -hmm. Odyssey or Inferno would be. I think we've encountered things in this collection that are put into this echelon, or at least into Virgil's group, of kind of the foundations of the West or whatever. And I think the Odyssey gets up there, and so does the Dante's Inferno or Inferno. And some other things we've encountered do too, they are 
infinitely more readable. I was like stunned when I reread the Inferno. It is amazing. And it could just be the translation. I'm going to get to that in a second. It's like staggeringly readable as long as yeah. you can get the re- the names. But he also spends so much more time dwelling on stuff. Like, and it's mm-hmm. a narrative. He lets things build and makes it clear that like, we entered a new ring. Here's the, these people are here. We will now encounter some. It's the structure of it is so much more friendly. It, it's a structure yeah. at all. <laughs> There's no structure yeah. here. <laughs> Right, there's it's, an actual plot yeah. to Dante's Inferno, and, and people do say that it's a difficult read, and it is dense in a yeah. lot of ways, yeah. but the fact that there is uh, a narrative thread is what yeah. really helps, and that yep. is just completely lacking in these these poems, so it's yep. you can't, there's nothing to hang on to to pull you through each poem, because each poem you're like, what am I going to encounter next? I have no idea. And this is where I'll throw one last bit of shade then. It's perfectly said. I think that the poetry tradition he was writing in, and now granted, it could just be that no modern scholar has taken it upon themselves to do a modern translation or whatever, but because he wrote in very strict verse and meter, it could just be that to translate him, you're just going to end up being a, you're just going to be stiff. Like there's no, I don't know if there's a creative or readable way to translate this work maybe but it because like in the wikipedia page for example they made a big deal out of he set these traditions or he wrote in these traditions of being in dex dextil triambiter or whatever like terms that again as someone who has a degree in literature i don't just care about those terms in any way (laughs) i don't i've never been interested in counting your syllables for you that just is like so foreign to me in the literary traditions i grew up in so the fact that he's a legend for those things maybe just makes translation for him impossible in a way that would be, I don't know, good or interesting to me, I guess. I'm not sure. It just strikes me as something that is so stiff and has to be so formal as to be, I don't know, be certainly beyond the average readers. Because let's just face it, we know what we're doing here. We, we are not average readers. Like, we are trying to maybe sell some reviews to people who are just curious about reading some literary stuff, but you and I will kind of do whatever. And even to me, right. I thought this was just not even worth broaching. And again, full recommendations. I thought the Odyssey parts we read too were so readable compared to this, like infinitely more readable. It has a character right. in it who makes decisions and you can think about and anyway. So that's my final soapbox. Any final thoughts on the Virgil that we encountered this week? And I'm also nope. a no. I don't even know if I said that out loud. <laughs> don't read this. <laughs> Cer- certainly don't read this without an, a very well annotated and deeply scholarly copy that can right. hold your hand. You will need your hand to be held. Any final For thoughts, sure. Amanda, on no, this one? No, that, that's a perfect ending to that i think <laughs> oh god let's get out of here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> escape <laughs> let me escape free me oh goodness anyway next week we are going to be returning to somewhat modern times we're going to hg wells very safe pick british guy wrote science fiction some of the early science fiction i think in that history considers some of the not quite frankenstein early you know what i mean like right what 60 70 years after maybe not that much when was Frankenstein published? Anyway, <laughs> like I was thinking like 1850. 1800s. Okay, I was like thinking 1850 for some reason. I just picked a random number. Anyway, that's all right. We're going back to some science fiction and it should be far more readable and digestible. Don't know if we'll love it, but that is up for you guys to find out next week. And until that review, we will see you between the classics. 